podcast featuring your favorite folks from across the quiltiverse. I'm Amanda of Broadcloth Studio, and I'm joined by Anna of Wax and Wayne Studio. Hi, everyone. Wendy, the weekend quilter. Hey. And our special guest, Marley of Marley Grace. Hi. Now, before we jump into all our quilty fun today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, Marley? Oh, well, I'm just so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be in a digital space with all three of you. I... Gosh, a little about myself. I'm a dancer. I'm a writer. I'm a quilter. And um, my job is teaching people how to do all three things. I write books. I have a weekly newsletter on Substack called Monday Monday that comes out every Monday. Today is Monday. I'm going to write it right after (laughs) we all hang out. Um, And that's, that's that's the fast and dirty of it. So, And where are you located in the States? I am currently in Northern Michigan. So typically we start off by asking folks the story behind their Instagram handle, but yours is pretty self-explanatory. So let's dive into your quilting journey. Um, So how, when, and why did you start quilting? Yeah. So in 20, what's time? 2013, I was running a shop gallery and artist residency in Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is where I'm from. And Eliza Fernand, who's an amazing artist uh, and quilter uh was the first resident in the space and she taught an improvisational quilting class and it sort of just it just it truly changed my life I was like wait a second like that's so easy like I was like I can just I mean you know my my joke or when I teach I always say like the hardest part of quilting is threading your sewing machine so once you can thread your sewing machine it's a you can actually do anything and that um carries into the world it's like if you can thread a sewing machine you'd you'd be amazed at what else you can do um and so Eliza taught me to quilt it changed my life and then I had a conversation with my dad who was like oh your grandmother quilted and Um, I had never met her. She died when my dad was in his early twenties and he didn't really talk about her a lot. And suddenly I had this like stack of quilts like made by my grandmother, her mother and her mother's mother. So I had, you know, three more generations of, of quilts. Uh, I'm staring at one of them right now. And yeah, it just sort of unlocked this, whole new path. And at that point I'd graduated with my BFA in dance. And yeah, I think I was sort of looking for something like, I love dancing. It's still such an important part of my life, but it like, uh, I was so easily able to translate the improvisation of dance to the technique of quilt making that it was just, um, like the word luxurious is coming to mind. Like I loved that I could hold something in the way that I couldn't with dance. So that that's that's my my the birth story of me as a quilter. For our listeners who may not be familiar with like your work, your quilt style, could you describe that for us? Yeah, you know, chaotic Gemini. You know, it's not any different <laughs> than who I am as a person. <laughs> it's like really different. Like none of I don't really think any of my quilts really look the same as the other ones. Like I don't really have like a clear style because I think for me it's so 
my quilt making practice is so specific around like what's happening in my life and what I want to play with. So like the most recent quilt I made is from pre-cut squares that my ex-mother-in-law gave me recently and from my wedding. Um, And so I wanted to play with like the assembly line style, just like, okay, I'm just going to like put all these squares through over and over and over again and made a quilt out of it. And so, you know, the one before that was like, I was doing all like snipping and ripping and, sewed a bunch of things and sort of cut them and rearranged them. And it felt, it feels very like I was going through a breakup. Like it feels very like that's what was happening there. Um, the quilt before that I've been, you know, an important part of my quilt practice and my teaching practice is, you know, inviting people to look at their own ancestral lineage through textiles. So I was looking at a lot of Swedish log cabin quilts. And so I made a quilt of all, log cabin squares, but improvise. So yeah, I don't really have, um, you know, no rulers, no rules is my, um, I don't, I don't use patterns. I don't use rulers. I don't, um, use, I don't use rules. So that maybe that's my quilting style. So So you started off by improv quilting. Yep. Okay. I mean, I, I, I will say Eliza's technique and way of teaching is she taught us how to use, how to make a log cabin, and then how to cut that up a million different ways and turn it into something else. So, so you teach a four week course called a quilt is something human. Can you tell us more about the course and what it means to you and kind of what students could expect? Yeah. I teach a four week course called a quilt is something human that I, that I, I lovingly have nicknamed quilt class. Um, and (laughs) you learn how to make a quilt from beginning to end. All the only thing you need to know, by the time you get to class is how to thread your sewing machine. And I also always joke, or you can come to class and not know how to thread your sewing machine and see what happens. Um, <laughs> you'll probably figure it out by the end. You'll probably want to. Um, and it's my favorite place on the internet. We just kind of go through the basics of how to sew fabric together. And a lot of, it's really just a class in anti-perfectionism. I joke that I'm like tricking people. I'm like, we're going to make blankets, but then I'm like, and now you will change your creative soul from the inside out. (laughs) People are like, what? I thought we were making blankets. I'm like, "Mm, uh, we will. But, um, and yeah, it's just, it's such a place. Um, you know, it's so beautiful because there are people who take my class who are like professional quilters who like have businesses around quilting and use a lot of rulers and a lot of are pattern designers. I mean, I've had people who are really from the quilt world. I do not identify as someone from the quilt world. I identify as an artist and improviser who uses quilting as sort of like an entry point to teach people about compositional improvisation and anti-perfectionism and art making. So, um, it's, it's been really humbling for me because I'm like, oh, the most, the thing I know is I barely know how to thread a sewing machine. I mean, it's truly like a joke sometimes when, and I, I get nervous. I'm like, oh my God, these people know so much more about quilting than I do. But that's not, that's actually why people take my class is I think um, they love how anti-perfectionist I am around quilting. You know, it's like, I, I think, um, 
a lot of people who take my class are artists, but a lot of people who take my classes are like nurses and lawyers and like people who are just like, I need some kind of outlet right now. And, but, um, so it's beautiful. It's like a lot of people really weave it into wanting it to be a hobby. And a lot of people who might be like painters or performers themselves or installation artists, you know, then have this like new medium to sort of bring in this new modality to weave into their pre-existing practice. Um, it's really fun. It's small. I cap it at 40 people. Um, and then a few less usually take it live, but, um, it's live. It's on zoom. Christy Johnson teaches it with me. So she's an amazing textile artist and embroidery artist. And, um, she's always teaches week one with me and, so it's, it's the, I don't know, it's the funnest place on the internet. And I didn't coin that term. Other people did. So I can't, I, and I joke that like, it's the funnest place on the internet. Not, I just, I just open the zoom room. You know, I just, I always say that I'm like, I was chosen as the channel for quilt class. And I think I'm, I think I'm also a great teacher and a great, great quilter, but I, I try to, I just hold the, hold the container. So. For folks who are, you know, struggling with perfectionism um, and all that entails, what are kind of your top tricks for starting a practice of anti-perfectionism? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I mean, I think, um, you know, like messing up is a part of the process. So if we're already like, I think there's like, we're building a resilience to up, which also feels really important to me as as a white person as a as a person who walks through the world with different privileges right it's like i'm i'm always sort of holding the identities of the oppressed and the oppressor like as a non-binary gay person um, but as a white person and so um to me it's also just like a tenet of like undoing all the isms right like undoing white supremacy the patriarchy heteronormativity is like to, to commit to anti-perfectionism is also to commit to like dismantling all structures of oppression. And so again, I think people are like, wait, I thought we were making quilts. And I'm like, we are dismantling everything you thought you knew. Um, and, and to keep it fun, right? It's like to, to have, it's like to me, applying that anti-perfectionism in quilting, like, keeps me so much more fluid in the world when I inherently mess up and make mistakes. And so the stakes, I'm like, y'all, the stakes are a lot lower. This is just fabric in a machine. So, um, (laughs) and I think I really think about just like beginning anywhere, just like, just, just start and see what happens. And it's so, I also think like the group specifically in quilt class, the, the group mentality is so special because you know, when we get to week two and we've all sort of been invited to like research throughout the week, like what are our own perfectionist tendencies? I think just being in a group of other people who are like, oh, I felt that too, is a part of like undoing their like rigidity around it. But I think it's a lot about just, and it's interesting. It's actually improvising, I think can be harder for people. I think people want a pattern. They want a quilt block. And because there is like an E, so we do go over how to make a log cabin square. <laughs> That's the only thing I give these people. Um, and then I'm like, now try this. Um, and so I think it is like, I really joke that also the hardest part of like anti-perfectionism is threading the sewing machine. It's just like, just like the hardest part is like putting the presser foot down and 
If you can just put it down and like hit the foot pedal, you're 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 already doing it. So you know, it's like after that, usually most people just start flowing. It's like a habit building trick. So, so what is it like teaching those people who are already like from the quilting space versus teaching people who have never touched a sewing machine before? Yeah, I mean, it's actually not that different because again, I think a lot of them are coming to my class because they want to sort of like break out of their, out of the like sort of um, precision of their practice. So they're sort of just as uncomfortable as the person who has never sewn before because they're like, they have so much comfort in their patterns, their rulers, their like, I mean, that's... I think that they're, it, they feel like they're in control. So when I'm like, ha ha ha, you have no control. They're like, oh God, like they're all sort of experiencing that at once. And so um, it's not that different. And the other thing that's so special about quilt class is there's so much time for other people to talk and lead that. Um, and we, we have like small groups. So a lot of times they're, they are adding their own. So there's a lot of times people ask questions that I'm like, I have no idea. And it is nice when someone can jump in and be like, oh, this is how I approach this thing or seam ripping or I don't know, just like <laughs> random things that I'm like, I don't rip a seam. I just fold that shit over and sew it down. <laughs> so what is some advice that you'd give to someone that is used to using their rulers um to break away from from that and feeling comfortable and improvising <laughs> my first like vision I was like I was like step one take your rulers walk to your driveway put them in your car lock your car come back <laughs> inside um I mean I think you know one of my one of my here's actually one of my favorite things that Christy teaches in in week one of a quilt something human is is the snip and rip technique which is what you know you take a big piece of fabric and you snip it and you rip it and so you you generally are getting straight ish lines when you're doing that so if you're really afraid um that's a great sort of like baby step to be like okay we're I don't want you to use a ruler I don't want you to use your your rotary cutter or your mat just snip and rip things and start sewing strips together you know making just like a, a a strip, a scrappy strip quilt, I think is a great first step for improvising. It's just like sew a shit ton of strips together, cut those up, rearrange them and see what happens. Um, Ripping fabric is so satisfying. Yeah. Great emotional so release. Really yeah. Really yeah. Is. Screaming at the, the same sound. Time. I love yeah. the sound of it as it just like tears yeah, apart. Exactly. It's the, it's the heart of your enemies. You know, one, <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. No enemies here. Uh, so in addition to your uh, quilt class, you also ha are the author of the book, How to Not Always Be Working. Can you tell us more about that and you know, what inspired you to write the book? Yeah, I wrote that book. Well, I, it started as a zine in 2015, which is so wild to think that was it, this month. It was seven years ago wow. this month that I wrote that zine, which is why so wild to think about. I'm like, what is time? Um, <laughs> and, you know, I wrote it because, I mean, quilting is a great example. It's like I, I, I learned something. I'm like, it's part of my job. Like I just, I am, it's like I fold everything in. I mean, I laughed when you introduced me and you were like Marley of Marley Grace is here. And I was like, I really screwed myself when I just made every, you know, everything is just my name. It's like, so when everything is your name, it's really easy to be like, 
now that's part of my job. And so actually the thing that I think so much about quilts is like a really important boundary for me is I don't sell quilts, right? So that's not a part of my business plan is like, I make money teaching people how to make quilts. Um, but quilting stays like a very separate part of my life. I gift quilts, I raffle quilts, I have quilts on the back of my couch. You know, it's like I maybe I would hang quilts somewhere, but I'm pretty I'm pretty much a quilter as like a blanket maker and um as an ob- as a as a as an object of gifts. And so that is actually an exact example of how to not always be working because you better believe I, I'm like, let's get an Etsy store going. Like it's so fast that like, you know, I always joke, like, that's why I love swimming so much is because swimming, I will, I promise on my life that I will never be a professional swimmer. I, it's a just <laughs> simple fact. Um, but, but I joke, it's like, I'll write a whole news. I probably will write a book about swimming at some point, you know, it's like, but it is really important to me to know the difference of like, what is my job and what is not my job? Selling quilts, not my job. Teaching quilting, my job. Um, And so, yeah, that's sort of how, yeah. So how to not always be working became a book in 2018. Um, and I love it. It's poorly written. And I say that with so much love. It's like, I've gotten so much better at writing, but it's a great little book and I highly recommend it to everyone. So in your book, it prompts the reader to examine their behaviors and how they can burn themselves out and why they're doing it. So what are some of the most common mistakes and reasons behind burning out? Mm. I mean, I think making everything your job is the fastest way to burn out. It's like you have, you'll have no pleasure and no like rest anymore. And, um, I remember talking to a friend who owned a record store. He's like owned a record store for like so long. And he was like, I hate music now. (laughs) And it was so funny to be like, oh, right. Like when you turn the thing into, it's like my dad actually sells records on eBay And it's always been like, it's a nice, I think, part of his income, but it's like never been the main source. And I think that's why he still enjoys it. Um, And so I think it is like just and for me, I also like to have many streams of income because I like to take breaks from teaching. I don't want to teach people how to quilt every single day. Um, No offense. Um, (laughs) who wish I did that. Um, But yeah, so it's like it's this I and I hate the word balance. That's why my second book is called getting to center because I don't actually think balance it's balancing but I think a lot about like many pots on the stove and like how am I like rearranging the pots right so it's like I might be want to teach dance class or quilt class or focus more on my newsletter or writing a book and so I'm always sort of rearranging the things and I also think the other thing about burnout is like you have to rest before you're ready I mean that's also like anti-perfectionism it's like it's so hard to slow down. And, um, I, I try to trust when my body, like it's a migraine or is just like zapped and I like, can't think any new thoughts. I'm like, this is my brain saying, cool it for a second. Um, and if I push through that, it's not pretty. Usually I get, I just get sick. Like I just get physically sick. Something happens like, and I just, and then my body forces a stopping point. And so I try to have a practice of seeing when that's coming before it's coming. On that train of thought, do you have any advice for people in particular creatives and maybe small businesses 
um, on how to better balance. I don't want to use the word balance. I love it. (laughs) To better balance work, hobby, and self-care. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, the thing that just keeps coming to me is like doing it before you're ready. Like, I think like I could be getting 20 new emails right now. I don't know. Like that doesn't mean I need to answer my emails right now. I heard somebody say once a text is not a subpoena. And I was like, whoa, like, (laughs) you know, just because someone text me does not mean I need to text them back ever or in the next hour. Or, you know, I think it's like, especially in the digital age, like it's so much about like unapologetic boundaries, which is really uncomfortable for most of us, especially anyone like assigned female at birth or socialized as a woman. It's like, we're, I think just really taught to people please and to like be like yes I'm available to you and it's like I think in the last year um yeah I went through like a really painful uncoupling process this year for my partner of the last few years and it just something shifted in me where I became so like if I didn't want to talk to somebody like it was my mental health had deteriorated so much that it um it forced me into a a time and a space of like, there was just no choice other than to be like, I don't have time to speak to you (laughs) or like, I have to go outside now and not be at my computer. And it was like really. um, And I think what I've also learned, which I like to tell people is like people, if you pick the right people in your life, they're going to be like, great. Talk, talk to me when you're ready, you know, like have fun outside. Like I don't. And the people who didn't, fell away in a, in a, like many blessings loving way, but like, you know, they (laughs) left, you know, because the only people who like push against our boundaries are the people who are benefiting from us not having boundaries in the first place. So, you know, I really feel like just like, you know, it's like all this stuff is about doing it before you're comfortable. It's like, I'm not like over here comfortably having boundaries I'm extremely uncomfortable a lot of the time and I do it anyways, because I'm way more uncomfortable and burnt out if I don't. So you have a background and daily creative practice and dance. So do you feel that your quilting has informed your dance or vice versa? Yeah, it's interesting. As I'm sitting here right now, I so often talk about how they do. And for some reason, suddenly I'm like, they have nothing to do with each other. But I don't (laughs) think that's true. Um, They they feel both very similar and very separate. I mean, it's like using a really different part of my brain. Because as much as there's like movement and quilting, it's there's a lot of stillness in it at the end. Like I actually go towards quilting, I think, in an effort to find stillness and I dance in an effort to find like movement. So I think that's where they're sort of different. But I'm definitely, you know, I would I would call them both like choice making practices. Like I'm making these these choices of what's going to go where. Um, if anything, my t- teaching quilting reminds me more of my dance practice. Like a, being a facilitator reminds me, a creative facilitator reminds me more of dancing uh, than quilting does. So you explore the concept of personal and creative practice in many different projects, including your books, A Sacred Shift and Friendship Village. Could you tell us the importance of creative and personal practices and how they've helped you? 
Well, well, I love that you named both of those books, which are books that I'm like, wow, you guys really uh, did your research. Um, <laughs> we stalked heavily. I love yeah. that. I mean, those are both books that I self-published. You know, those are books you wouldn't find at like a bookstore. Um, and I love one is about personal practice, my dance project. And one is about Friendship Village, which was my radio show for a year. And in both of those I think those are just great examples of like the permission that you have to wait for no one to be like, you should write a book. Like I always joke that I'm like, yes, I do have people who are like, you should write a book. Um, and I've written those books, but the, I, 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 I always laugh. I'm like, nobody asked for those. But nobody was like, Marley, please make a book of your radio show advice. It's like, I think that's, so that's part of both, I also teach classes around like creative practice and, and small business. And I mean, I think so much of my job is just being a permission giver is, and that's what happens, excuse me, in quilt class as well is like, um, sometimes I, I'm like, maybe I'm like quilt class, maybe only needs to be five minutes long where we just get on zoom and I'm like, you can make a quilt. (laughs) And then I log off and everyone's like, Oh, like, I think people just need someone to be like, you can have a radio show. You could just log into lulu.com and upload a PDF and print it. And then it's a book. And you tell people you wrote a book. Like, and I think people are like, wait, what? Um, Like, it's really like nobody was out here being like, Marley, it's time to make a book. You know, it's like, there's so much... I think about creative practice for me, that's like, listen, you know, I'm, I love, I talk a lot about God. I love, I love, th- I love use, I use that word really liberally. Um, and it's like, when I get a message from God to do something, I just try not to argue with it. I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, no, it's like not that many people bought the Friendship Village book, <laughs> but it was really fun to make. It was a really fun project to do. It was really fun to make. I'm glad I did it. Um, and so, yeah, I try to say, like, if you get a message from spirit to do a creative project or practice, like, the less fighting you can do with that message, I think the easier it'll be. And that uh, self-published books, those are they're only available on your website, or could we get it from other websites a, like Amazon? A Sacred Shift is available on Amazon, which I lovingly call Jeff Bezos Online Shop. Um, <laughs> we call him Lord Business. At a, I love that. And then <laughs> the Friendship Village book is, I think it's just out of print right now. I should print more. Well, maybe I'll print. Maybe I'll print more. Okay, by the time this podcast comes out, maybe it'll be on my website. I was going to say, the universe is telling you to go. (laughs) (laughs) Wendy's like, I'm the voice of God. Right now. You can do it. You can do it. I love it. So you mentioned that you, you, uh, Friendship Village was a radio show you used to host. Do you have any plans to delve back into the world of radio in the future? You know, maybe. I have... um, my Substack has a monthly advice column called Yes, Yes, which I record and is transcribed. And so that's sort of the outlet right now. Um, but I, re- I, I mean, I really miss New Mexico. I was living in, New Me- in Madrid, New Mexico for a year. That's where my radio show was on our local radio station, community radio station. And I really miss it. So may- maybe... Who knows? I, I grew up, my dad worked in radio for over 30 years. And so it's very much like a part of my, it's, part, it's in my blood. So I'm sure I will find my way back in some way. So. 
And are we able to listen to past Friendship Village episodes as well? Every single one is on my <laughs> on my website, and all the and if you search Marley Grace on Spotify, every playlist is there also. Ooh, yes. nice. So on that note, it is time to move on to our rapid fire quilty questions. Are okay, you ready, ready, Marley? Yes. Okay, <laughs> Anna, why don't you kick us off? You better okay. be. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite time of day to quilt? 10 a.m. Where do you sew? That's very specific, by the way. I you said rapid fire. Um, <laughs> um where do I sew? In my where I'm sitting right now, in my little three uh, my four season porch studio. And do you wear shoes, socks, slippers while sewing? Crocs. Uh, music, Netflix, podcasts, or silence? TV. Was that on there? Netflix. Hulu, really. Hulu is I'm a brand loyal to Hulu. Yeah. So what's your current favorite on Hulu? You guys don't want to know that. I, I have been <laughs> to first responder shows. Like, anyways, right now I'm watching the television program 911 starring Angela Bassett and Peter Krause and Jennifer <laughs> Love Hewitt. And it's gorgeous and numbs my little brain. <laughs> and what is your all-time favorite song in your personal practice Spotify playlist? Oh my gosh. I'm like anything, any Justin Bieber song is my favorite song. I love the song Intentions by Justin Bieber. What's your favorite genre of music to dance to? Pop music. What's your favorite snack while quilting? Cheez-Its, specifically white cheddar ridge. They have like little ridges on them. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite traditional quilt block? Log cabin. It's tattooed on my arm. If we had to pick between two of your books, which one? Uh, how did that always be working? Actually, I would say, I don't know. And what color fabric do you use the most? Pink. Solids or print fabrics? Solids. Who is your favorite fabric designer? <laughs> I'm like, people design fabric. Um, <laughs> That's an answer. <laughs> I'm, yeah, uh, Jen Hewitt actually ha- makes, has some really beautiful fabric, but yeah, I freaking love her. I would never use it. Don't use a, don't, not a print in sight, unless it's thrifted. Sometimes I'll thrift. What's the last fabric you bought? I bought some like rolls of weird, like different blues and turquoise at the St. Vincent de Paul here recently. Yeah. I thrift almost all my fabric or buy it at Fancy Tiger Crafts. I don't know if that's a question on the... The next question was, what's your favorite quilt shop? So... Fancy Tiger Crafts in Denver. <laughs> and how do you organize your fabrics? Um, let's see. Bagu bags, wire baskets, and random piles. And what do you do with your scraps? My scraps are usually just in also in a random bag and sit there for way too long and and probably get thrown away at some point. If they're small enough, they they're discarded. Um, do you have a sewing notion you couldn't live without? No. <laughs> I guess my sewing machine. It's not really a notion. I'm like, that's the only one. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise I oh wait, no, rapid fire. Silence. No. <laughs> uh, what sewing machine do you sew on? I sew on a Juki TL2000. And well, I guess I can't really ask you this question, but it's what's your favorite ruler size? No, Hell no, Wendy. Yeah, no ruler. Yeah. ruler. What's a ruler? I'm like, what? I'm like, I don't know what that is, but. We could skip that. I'm no, I think an office it. space scene where you're you're taking the rulers and beating them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. waking them over your knee. Literally. Get them out of here. 
what thread brand do you use? Coates and Clark. Uh, do you have a pressing preference? Open to the side, whatever works. To the side. I try to listen to the fabric though. Generally to the side. Pick one. HSTs, curves, or flying geese? Curves. Do you quilt all your quilts or do you ever send them out to long armors? I quilt all my quilts. Do you like to machine or hand bind quilts? Machine bind. And then a spray pin or thread based? Safety pin. Pre-wash, always, sometimes, never. Sometimes. And what's your favorite part of the quilting process? When it's finished. (laughs) And what's your least favorite part of the quilting process? When it's not finished. (laughs) (laughs) What is one bad quilting habit you wish you could give up? I pretty much finish all my quilts by folding the backs over to the fronts. I do not make bias tape or binding um, separately and it make it can make for a pretty wonky situation. So sometimes I wish I had a more measured technique, but, but my favorite part is when it's finished. So it's a lot, it's going to get a lot closer to finished if I just flip that back over and sew it down. (laughs) Do you have a quilty BFF? Christy Johnson. And who's your quilty crush? Amanda Nadig. And I don't actually know if that's how you say her last name. N-A-D-I-G. Shout out to Amanda. She doesn't know that she's my quilty crush. (laughs) Surprise, Amanda. (laughs) What is your favorite recent make? I actually just finished knitting a shawl last night. And that is my favorite thing. Again, love to finish something. (laughs) And how many quilts are in your work in progress pile right now? There's a few like finished quilt tops that have sort of, I've accepted that they maybe will stay (laughs) quilt tops. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe there'll be backgrounds of Zooms or something or photo shoots. Um, So I kind of don't have any right in this moment, which I'm, as I was knitting last night and finishing the shawl, I was like, I'm ready to have some things in progress right now. And where do you store your work in progresses? In in baskets in my little porch studio. And do you have any other interests or hobbies? Walking, swimming, and watching 911 starring Angela Bassett. <laughs> <laughs> it's my favorite hobby. Before we wrap today up, we've got just a couple more questions for you. And first up are who are three accounts you think everyone should be following and why? Oh, okay. Um, actually, let's see. Amanda, my quilty crush. <laughs> and Amanda's handle is Amanda Nadig, N-A-D-I-G-A-R-T, art. Um, Social Justice Sewing Academy, which is S-J-S Academy. And Sanford Biggers is another amazing artist and quilter. Those are my three. And if you don't mind me asking, why should we follow them? Yeah. Oh. oh, let's see. Well, I mean, Amanda and Sanford are just absolutely unbelievable, amazing artists and will deeply inspire you to want to make quilts. And Social Justice Sewing Academy is an amazing organization that anyone can get involved in. So you can be um, 
making quilt squares um, specifically to honor the lives of folks who were murdered by either police violence, domestic violence. They have a few like different categories. Um, So to honor their lives. um, Another project they do is you can be a part of like a team who makes quilts out of um, a person who's passed their like clothes and objects. Um, But they just have a lot of amazing shows and, and, art shows and resources and things to share. It's definitely, I think, just a, a space that I talk to my students a lot about and just sort of gets us in the frame of mind of quilts being so much more than blankets. And before we sign off, do you have any fun projects on the horizon that you can share with us? You know, I definitely am ready to make another group quilt. I really enjoyed, I made a group quilt last year that I raffled that, um, collected a couple thousand dollars that I redistributed and I'm feeling called to that again. Like I, I feel like I'm really feeling like where I think a word I like to use a lot is just generosity and like, where can my generosity of time um, go towards something else right now? Um, and yeah, I'm about to teach quilt class again this month in May, which feels really good. And and I'm writing. I'm writing a book that has Ooh. to do with quilting. Um, oh, it's not nice. how to quilt, but it's so I'm get, the wheels. The wheels are turning and sort of sh- and sort of combining a few practices together. So yeah, that's exciting. Do you know yeah. when we are expecting the book to be published? No, a long time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's know. There, yeah, but you know what? My favorite part of it will be. When it's, when finished. it's finished. <laughs> yeah. That's the theme. <laughs> when the proposal is finished, I'll be happy. And the least favorite part of the book proposal is when it's not finished. And that's yeah. what's happening right now. It's <laughs> close. 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 So on that note of enjoying when things finish, we need to wrap today up. And we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you'd like to contact any of us, we can most easily be found on our Instagram accounts. I'm at Broadclaw Studio. Wendy. I am the dot weekend quilter. Anna. I am at Wax and Wayne Studio. And Marley. At Marley Grace. Or you can go to our podcast account at quilt.buzz or our website quiltbuzzpodcast.com for our previous episodes and updates on upcoming guests. If you enjoyed today's show, we hope that you subscribe to the podcast and tell your quilty friends about us too. And if you have a moment to share what you love by writing a review on your podcast provider of choice, it would make our day. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you again soon. Bye. 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 Awesome. One day. Yay. Good job, team. That was fun.